0: Before you're seated, I just want to say thank you to everybody who played along today, who wore something vintage. I think the Winters family won the prize. Be sure to say hello to that. And uh, to our music team, I said just come up with some kind of older songs, but freshen them up a little bit. Didn't they do a great job? Didn't they do a great job? You can have a seat. Well, and so the original plan was that on Vintage Sunday, the vintage pastor was going to preach. But the vintage pastor got some vintage shingles, and that didn't happen, okay? So uh, I'm doing well. I'm recovering. Thank you for everyone who's been praying for me. But I knew that there was a really excellent preacher in the neighborhood. And uh, I had already contacted Pastor Kelly to see about preaching sometime here in the next few weeks to which he had agreed graciously. And uh, so about the beginning of last week, I thought it was time to call for the reinforcement. So I called Pastor Eldred and said, uh, could you come this Sunday? Not because it's vintage Sunday, uh, just because we need help and I can't do it. Um, So it's a real thrill to have them here today. Pastor Eldred, his wife Luanne, uh, part of the Kelly family that's been part of the history of our church. Dr. Kelly has been pastor now, uh, how many years total have you been pastor? 47, 47 years, that's that's amazing, that's fantastic, and uh, he's still in the ministry, and he just recently retired from pastoring the Free Methodist Church at Light and Light Park in Lakeland, Florida, where many of us have connections, And uh, but he's spending some summertime here with family and in the area we're just thrilled to have you come. God spoke powerfully through his word in the first service. And I just want to say, at the close of the service, he gave us a chance to pray, uh, perhaps to even come forward to pray. And if the Lord speaks to your heart, I just want to encourage you to step out and say yes to whatever God says to you. Pastor L., would you come and share the word with us today? Let's welcome him. <laughs>
1: in the ministry 47 years. I started when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> Starting over the line is not a good thing, is it? <laughs> really good today to have Dave Randolph with us. Dave is our music director at Light and Life in Florida. Uh, he was the head of the uh, band over in Flint area for a lot of years, and now he's been with us five years. We love him a lot. So Dave, leave that there. You can see who you are. Good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Where are the ladies that have the hats on? Okay. I love hats on ladies. My wife and I have uh, ministered in Northern Ireland. but And over there, you can't go to church without a hat on. Ladies, that is. And uh, we, last time we were over there, the didn't have a hat with her, and so uh, she had to borrow one. She had got a beautiful one. I bought this big cross, I think it was, but it's a good thing. Thank you, ladies, for, for wearing that. I think you need to do it every Sunday. Really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man, any woman, any boy or any girl is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Well, this is Vintage Sunday, and I welcome you to Vintage Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity of being here, until I looked up the word vintage, and it means old. <laughs> so, I am the exhibit number one, I guess, for for, for being old. Ex however, Pastor Glenn has told you he's been not feeling very well, and so I really appreciate the opportunity of being here. When I thought about being his substitute this morning, I thought about what it means to be a substitute preacher. So I did some looking up some things and I found out one young guy was called to a church at the last minute to fill in for the pastor who was sick. He said, how am I going to explain what a substitute pastor is? So he said, assume that last night your church was broken into. The main window was shattered and you couldn't get a new window by the next morning and so you had to put a piece of plywood over the so that you could get a new pane of glass the next morning. And so as he was talking about that, he said, I am like that plywood. I'm the substitute. Well, he went ahead and preached, and uh, afterwards, a little old lady who was sitting right back over in here, came up to him and she said, Pastor, you did a good job. You're not really the substitute. He said, I think you're the real pain. <laughs> so this morning, I welcome you. I'm, I'm the real pain, I guess. Well, on this windy sunday I want to explore 2 Corinthians 5.17, because I think in that one verse, there's enough there to help us to be successful Christians, to help us live a life of freedom in Christ and newness in Christ. Well, I want to explore this verse, because in here, Jesus doesn't offer any of us substitutes. He offers us the real thing. The real deal and the real deal that he's offering us is based on the fact that he wants every one of us to be born again he wants every one of us to know his son Jesus personally and so he says I want you to invite Jesus to come into your heart and into your life you see when you are born when you were born you were born with your back toward God That doesn't mean you were born having committed sins. Babies haven't committed sins as such, but you were born with inherited sin. You have your back toward God. And so what this verse is saying is that you and I need to turn around, face God, invite Jesus to forgive our sins and to make us a new creation. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means this. There is no one of us good enough to get to heaven on our own. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. So this verse promises us a lot of neat things in here, but it's all based on the first five words. If anyone is in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? You see, one day you and I are going to stand before God. He's not going to ask you, were you a member of the Davidson Free Methodist Church? He's not going to care. He's not going to ask you if you've been good. He's going to ask one thing What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do when I asked you or encouraged you to give your heart to Jesus? In other words, were you living in Christ? Has the blood of Jesus forgiven your past and you know you're ready to meet the Lord? That's not going to be any question he's going to ask, such as church affiliation and all of that stuff. Well, the place I want to stop at the very beginning of that verse is the word new. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. At the end it says, all things have become new or are becoming new. So what in the world does it mean to live a new life? What does it mean, those of you who are like me who have been Christians for a lot of years, how is it possible to live a new Christian life? Is it possible to live a new life in Christ? I looked in the scriptures and found that the word uh, new is used 150 times in the Bible. And the biggest synonym for that word new is fresh. So putting fresh into that verse helps me understand this is what God wants from me. This is what God wants from you. It says if anyone is in Christ, he is a fresh creation. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become fresh. Now, Vintage means older or looking back on and all that. But being in Christ means a fresh, up-to-date relationship with Jesus Christ. So based on that, here are some questions we need to be asking ourselves. Each morning, or at least sometime during our week, we need to ask questions like this. Does my life reflect a Jesus of newness? Does my life reflect a freshness in my relationship with with Jesus. In our church, we're, it's up in Cass City when I pastored up there. There were two men, lots of men, but two of them. One was my dad and one was my uncle. I'm sorry, my cousin. My mom is here today. I'm so glad to, to have her. Everybody ought to try to have a mom like that. She's first class, and I thank God for her. But in that church were those two men, my dad and my cousin. And the children loved my dad. They loved my dad because my dad loved kids. And every Sunday, the kids would get mom and dad up for Sunday school early, saying, we've got to get to Sunday school early because Grandpa Kelly is there, and he loves us. Every Sunday, my dad came into church with two or three kids hanging on each leg, and he'd walk in dragging these kids across the main door of the church. But also in that church was my cousin, and my cousin didn't like kids. And one Sunday morning my dad came in with all these kids hanging on his legs and I heard these kids say this. There he is. Let's get out of here. He doesn't like us. And they got up and they ran away. And I said, oh God, would you make me a man that children want to be around? Would you make me a man that kids want to get up and come to Sunday school because Grandpa Kelly's there? I don't want to be a grumpy old man. I want to be the kind of man that children want to be around. And that's what this verse is talking about. If I'm in Christ, I am a new creation. There were a group of old people in the church. They didn't like young people coming and changing things. That's not true here, I'm sure. But old people like me began complaining, Pastor, there's that guy in the church who's just found Jesus and he's making us mad. Pastor said, why is he making you mad? Because he's so excited he wants to change everything in church. We don't want excitement in our church. And they came to the pastor over and over and said, "You've got to calm him down, or we're going to leave the church." Finally, one Sunday, the pastor had an answer. And finally he said to the people, "I do have an answer for you." So he said, "Yes, that young guy is exciting, and he's excited, and sometimes he's not too wise, but he said, "I discovered this. It's a lot easier to calm a raging elephant than it is to raise a dead elephant. Glenn and I have been in Africa several times and we know there's a lot of safety in a dead elephant. (laughs) We've been on a safari where there were wild elephants and I thought they were going to attack our Jeep that we were in. And I discovered this. Every church has got to have new wild elephants or they will die. We will die. If we're left to ourselves, we're just going to wither up. We need fresh, new people who find Jesus, who say, we've never done it that way before. We want to have something new and a, and a way to get excited about Jesus. And every time I read 2 Corinthians 5.17, I just fall on my knees and I said, oh, God, Would you make me that excited Christian? I've been a Christian for a whole lot of years, but God, would you do something so fresh in me that kids want to be around me? That's what this verse is talking about. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation, all things have been made new. I desperately want my life to equate to spiritual freshness. I don't want to be dead old Christianity. I think maybe there isn't such a thing. If we're dead in sin, of course there's no Christianity there. We become new in Christ Jesus as we are grafted into Jesus himself. He said we live in Florida, Louette and I do. And I discovered this. First of all, I like trees and I like citrus trees especially. And I discovered that every citrus tree has to be grafted into a wild root. I couldn't understand that. And so I thought, well, that can't be true, and so I was out walking in the woods one day, and I saw a wild citrus tree growing. It had some oranges on it. So I took one of those, and I took one bite of that orange, and it was absolutely bitter. You couldn't eat it, because it had grown up on its own. It hadn't been grafted into the right kind of root. And I discovered that's true in the church. That's true in the church. If we try to run our lives on our own strength, the I is very important. My ego becomes very important. See, there's only one letter difference between better and bitter. It's an I or an E. And when I try to run my life on my terms, I becomes what's important. My ego becomes what's important, and you better satisfy my ego. I'm so important. You better do it right, Pastor. I want things changed around here. Do it my way. That's the I. But when I decide I'm going to live the E of eternity and let Jesus be the Lord of my life, I say, oh, God, would you show me how to win young people to you? I've got a very honest confession to make this morning. I was on staff of a large church in Florida where it was a college church, And we had a lot of college kids coming to the church. So we started a Sunday night service called Infusion. I called it Confusion. (laughs) Because that music, you know the music young people like. It was just awful. I'm being (laughs) honest. I sat in that service and I said, God, that can't be of you. You cannot bless this kind of music. To my shame, I got up and I walked to my office, which is right off the sanctuary. I sat in my office and I said, God, that stuff is terrible. You need to stop it. Do you know what God said to me? Is worship about you or about me? And I sat there and I wept. I said, oh, God, it's about you. It's not about me. I, got, I went back into the sanctuary. The music hadn't changed, but I had. That night, 23 young people went to the altar. And I said, God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? I've done a lot of research on music in the church. And back in the 1500s, when I was a kid, all the music was, (laughs) all the churches chanted the psalms. That's all the music there was. And young people said to their parents, we've got to do something different about this music. (laughs) This is horrible. The whole church said, no, you won't. This is, this is the real thing. And one wise dad said, well, son, go write your own. So they did. They wrote their own. Came back and brought it to the church. And not this particular song, but you know it was of the era? A mighty fortress is our God. And the parents said, that will never play. That's no good. It'll never stand the mighty fortress of our God. Now, our young people say that's no good. What I'm saying is this. When I live in Christ Jesus, I become a different person. When I live in Christ Jesus, I recognize that all I am is his. My body is his. You know your body is a miracle? You know your body is a miracle? Do you know your heart beats 120,000 times every day? You know your heart beats 42 million times every year. That's the thing in here. 42 million times. You know if you're 40 years of age, your heart has already beat 2 billion times. My age is around 10 or 12 billion, I guess. (laughs) But whatever, whatever rate that is. You're a miracle. But John Peterson said, but there's a greater miracle. He said took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, that was a miracle of love and grace. He agreed with Paul. So Paul said, you are a new creation. When he talked about being new, I think Paul, in my opinion, I think Paul was introducing the Holy Spirit. You remember when Jesus was going back to heaven he talked to his disciples, the disciples basically said, "What are we going to do now?" We might think, "How do we live new in Christ when Jesus isn't here?" He said to them, and he says to us, "I will send another comforter, another counselor." See somehow we've bought into Satan's lie that we don't have to be born again. We don't have to be in Christ. It's not really that important. Somehow we've bought into the idea that God just wants us to be good. He wants us to be turning over new leaves all the time. He wants us to make new resolutions. You know that only 8% of the resolutions we do make ever see the light of day? 8% of them. Being new in Christ means that which is born brand new with inside of us that comes out and makes us smile. It makes us look like we love him. Old things passed away means all those things we're born with that wants to destroy us are done away with. And when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, first when Jesus saves us, but when the Spirit comes in, he says, I want to show you what Jesus really is. I want to make you new. I want to make you fresh from the inside out. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, does that mean we're not going to sin or can't be tempted? No, doesn't mean those things. Does that mean that we will never do anything wrong? Doesn't mean that either. But when you are born again, you've got an advocate. You've got a heavenly attorney who's pleading with God on your behalf. It's an amazing thing when you understand who the Spirit of God is. Old things passed away. Does that mean we can't do the old things we used to? Well, in the, in the book of John, it says, in Romans, excuse me, it says... Consider yourselves dead to sin. Now, sin's never going to go away, never going to be yanked out of you so you can't possibly sin. But it means consider those things dead. Consider the power of Jesus Christ in your life. I want to show you what it means to consider those things dead. I've invited my brother to come up. Gary, would you come up here? I am so disgusted hearing, oh, you're Jerry Kelly's brother. But when we were kids, you won't believe this, but we used to fight. And rendering something helpless is this illustration. If I double up my fist, what's Gary going to do with his hand? What do you do with your hands? Yeah, render it helpless. But that wasn't true. (laughs) Yeah. Gary knew when we were kids, if he hit me in the nose, I'd bleed all over. And one day, we were fighting in the living room, and Mom or Dad, one of the two, said, if you guys are going to bleed all over, go outside. Bleed on, the, bleed on the lawn. But rendering it helpless. That's what we need to do to sin. Thanks, Gary. You're so fortunate to have Gary here. I'm so thankful he's here. Yeah. For years, he told me about the Free Methodist Church, and I guess I wasn't smart enough to listen. But he was right. Well, then our text was on. Old things passed away and said, Behold. Now, the word behold we don't use very often today. Kind of a benign word to us. But you know what behold means? Behold is so absolutely important. It's what somebody would say if they burst in those back doors and said, Behold, the building's on fire. Get out while you can. It's that important. Paul is saying... Behold, something's coming. Old has passed away, and Paul said, Behold, all things become new. Behold is that kind of a word. It's a powerful word. Remember when uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, and the King James says, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Well, verily, verily, and behold are similar words. They mean you better listen. Your life is at stake. That's what behold means. So behold says, I need to get your attention. Paul says, it's not just God's going to take the old from me. He's going to fill you with something brand new. Paul is promising that we can be new from the inside out, and it can last all of our lives. But Satan's going to continue tempting us. I told you, my mom is here. I was out visiting her mom, Grandma Tucky, Years ago, she—I believe she was 95, most godly woman perhaps that I've ever known—and she's my grandmother. Tucky said this, Eldred. I don't know if I'm even a Christian. I don't feel like a Christian. Here's a woman who had taken literally hundreds of kids to Sunday school. Satan will never stop tempting you. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He will always confuse you if he possibly can. And so when it comes to being in Christ, it's something that can last, but it's not that easy. Now, you buy a new car, and you drive it for a year, is it still new? No, it's not. So how can you be new in Christ and still be new after you've been a Christian for years? The construction of the verse here means this. Anyone who's in Christ, grafted into Christ, made new into Christ, had new relationship with Christ. i got a wonderful wife. Been married 53 years. But you know, she still wants me to tell her I love her. Guys, are you listening? No matter how long you've been married, that lady wants to hear, I love you, honey. But a man in our church up in Cass City. I was preaching on a series on, on the family. And I was telling him, he said, men, you need to tell your wife you love her. Afterwards, a guy said to me, and he was pretty sincere. He said, I don't understand that thinking. He said, I told her I loved her when I got married, and if I change my mind, I'll let her know. <laughs> That's not what women want. But we men need to do. But so does Jesus. The relationship is that which begins as I say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you. My wife wants to spend time with me. That's amazing. But that's what a relationship is. And so the relationship with Jesus Christ grows as I spend time alone with him. How do we get the holy hush of God on my life? Spending time with God's boy. That's the holy hush. See, when we have a lone time with Jesus, that's the only time he can make us new and make us fresh. Now I understand victorious living is not something that I have to try to do better, try to do more. No. There's another lady in our church up there in Cass City, a lady that if you need something done, you called her. She could do anything and she wanted to do it all. She was really good. But she came to me one day and she said this: said, Pastor. I don't understand it. He said, I'm busier than I've ever been. I'm getting tired. And my relationship with Jesus is kind of slowing down. I said, how much time are you spending with him every day? He said, that's a crazy question. I don't have time. I said, that's it. That's it. How much time are you spending with Jesus? Relationship with him can stay new. Salvation can stay new. Excitement can stay new as I stay in relationship with the Lord. It takes my newness, my time with him so I can be new, I should say. There aren't many advertisements on TV that I like, but there is one from Capital One. What's in your wallet? (laughs) The question this morning is this. What's in your heart right now? What's in your mind right now? What's the Spirit of God saying to you right now? I've never seen a day in a, all of my life when there's been more heaviness and more struggles and more hurting things and more families being torn apart than today. You know what Jesus is doing today? He's calling you to freshness. He's calling you to give it all over to him. I love Psalm 53. It says this, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. I used to preach up in Cass City before we moved to Florida. We had a church full of young families. When we left, we had 23 babies in the nursery. And often on Sunday when I'd be preaching, a lady would get up over here, another one over here, go back to the nursery, and not a soul had contacted them. And so I asked him one day, how would you know that your baby needed help? He said, the one lady said, of all the babies that are back there, I know the voice of my baby. And Psalm 5:3 says, God knows your voice. You call in the morning, and he says, Ah, there's Al. Ah, there's Pastor Glenn. Ah, there's Gary. I want to talk to him. He's saying, I want to do something fresh. So this morning, I want to invite you, don't leave with the load you're carrying. I'm sure some of you are carrying loads. I'm sure some of you need to say, Lord, I need freshness. Or I need somebody to come alongside and lift this incredible load that's about ready to crush me. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who's never invited Jesus into his heart. You need to do that. You know, all of us who are Christians can say, but Lord, I want revival, but I just don't see it happening. So I kind of put together a little list. Of how revival happens? Number one, the number one way revival happens is when we, who are Christians, fall on our faces and confess our apathy. Chronicles in the Old Testament says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves," yeah, but Pastor L. Oh, Revival is for for the unsaved. It is. But it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with me saying, God, I am giving you permission this morning to change me. I'm just wondering how long it's been since I laid on my face before God and wept for the unsaved. How long has it been since you have wept for the people in Davidson who don't know Jesus? That's number one. Number two, When I want to be so full of the freshness of Jesus, and I begin to act like him and look like him, that's when revival can come. Number three, when I put myself under the total authority of God. Number four, when I'm absolutely obedient to everything God says. You know the name Dennis Kinlaw, who's recently died. Dennis Kinlaw was president, excuse me, uh, was chairman of the board of OMS, now One Mission Society. He was in my living room one year when he spoke at our, at our camp. And I said, Dennis, what's the biggest job you have, the biggest problem you have getting new missionaries? I thought he would say, well, it costs so much for kids to go through college. I thought he would say a number of kinds of things. You know what he said? He said, well, the answer to that was very easy. He said, it is Christian parents who say to their kids, you will not go away from home. My heart just broke. Because I know a number of people have said that to me. My kids aren't going to go to Asbury or Spring Arbor; It's too far from home. And those families where that has happened, those children rebelled and are not walking with Jesus today. Christian parents who will not obey God. It's tough sometimes. I know it is. Tough to leave family. But boy, it helps to have a mom like I've got who said, You must follow Jesus. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to set them free to be whatever God wants them to be. And the fifth thing, Winning others becomes more important to me than my comfort. Winning others becomes more important to me than my personal comfort. (coughs) One more illustration. A lady in our church in Florida, at this university church, who's 83 or 82, 83 years of age. You know, college kids, that's pretty ancient. You get my age, and it's pretty young. But I said to Grace, I said, Grace, we've got a number of college girls here who are, who are here at college, and they don't have a mom or a dad. They need somebody to put their arm around them and say, I just love you. I just like to be your friend. Would you do that to a couple of girls I've got picked out? She said, Pastor, I'd love to do it. So I told her who the girls were. She went to them and said, to the first one and said, can I take you to lunch next week? The girl said, mm-hmm, I guess so. She went back to her dorm, the girl did, and she said, you can't believe what that old woman wants to do. But the day came and Grace took her to lunch. Grace said, I just want to get to know you. How can I help you? She came home, that girl went back to her dorm to the same girls. She said, you can't believe what that old woman Wants to do with me. She wants to like me. I haven't haven't even got a mom. God's given me a mom or a grandmother. You know that's true of you and me. We don't need anything more than to put our arms around an unlovable little guy. And man, I just want to love you. I just want to care for you. You ladies need to put your arms around a little girl who doesn't have a mom, I'd like to teach you how to bake cookies. I'd like to teach you how to just be a friend. I always want to be your friend. Revival comes when I say, Lord, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I'm going to ask the uh, music person to come back and play. We're just going to pray, have her play softly. not even going to sing. I'm just wondering if maybe the Lord is speaking to you and he's saying either uh, you've never given your heart to me and you need to do it today or you're carrying a load dump your load on the altar or maybe you're like me and you've been a Christian for a long long time and God is saying I want you to be so fresh that the world sees something's happening in your life you just want to come to the altar open the altar for whatever God wants to do in you like he did in us in the first place. let's stand together and let's pray Lord you are such a great God you've done so many amazing things for us Lord and our desire is Father for people to find Jesus Lord one day we're going to stand before the throne and ask us who you brought. Not have anybody to show, God, we want to be faithful. Would you show us, Lord, how to get beyond our own needs and our own selves and be so concerned about the lost out there who are going to hell. Effectively, Lord, we don't care. Oh, God, would you burden newness and freshness. Just show us, Lord, what you want to do, what you can accomplish through one person totally sold out to you. God, I want to be that one person. Will you just teach us continually that you have this church, who you want to win through this church. Show us, God, how to be the missionaries to go out and win praise you, Father. Use us this morning in Jesus' name. We're just going to stand kind of in the, in the quiet. We're just going to come and kneel the altar say, Lord, I want to be brand new. You want to do that Lord, I got such a heavy load.
0: Lunch in maybe 10 or 15 minutes. But uh, in the meantime, maybe there's something you'd like to be prayed for. I've had a couple people speak to me already today that they'd like to have a prayer moment right now. So We're going to take time for that. I'll be here. Pastor L will be here. And uh, if God wants to do something more in your life, while well, most go that way, you come this way. All right. Thank you, Lord, for your work, for your voice, for your love, for your make us fresh and new in you in Jesus name we pray